Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we've got a show in store that I'm super excited for. Uh, I've got a returning guest and, and a man who has just become a great friend in my life. Um, we originally met through the Couples Mastermind and him and his wife have just become just a gem in our world. And uh, Ashish Nathu was on a previous episode. I don't even know what episode it was, but it was about a year ago. And so we're just uh, going to get back together and have a conversation for our anniversary. So happy anniversary, brother. Happy anniversary, bro. Really, really good to see you. Yeah, same. You've had some serious, serious transition and change. I mean, even since we met. Yes. Um, and I always love just watching uh, people like you, couples like you. I think it's even more exciting when you see couples like, you yeah. know, just really accelerate their growth together. But um, yeah, let's just dive in. I mean, give us, give us some kind of like, bring us up to speed. What are some of the highlights? Whew. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. This has been quite a journey of transition and change. Um, and I think what's really funny about that is that you know, no matter what, we all spend all this time as high achievers focusing on, you know, good habits and mindset and reading a bunch of books and like preparing for preparing for seasons like this. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when it hits you, it's like nothing you can expect. Um, and there's there's always more and more that, you, you know, you have to try to figure out and solve. And uh, one of the things that has really helped me through this entire season is that just naming it is that this is a season of, mm -hmm. of transition, transition and change. And, um, and that's been super, super helpful. So just not judging yourself and not feeling like, oh, my God, I'm failing at this transition is something that uh, I think a lot of people do. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've had so many transitions this year. I have moved my family a couple of times. Um, we. We had a big generational change in our family where we moved out of our parents' home, which is big in our culture, and that was a huge thing for us. Um, you know, just the just the passing of the torch where you know father son no longer live together is a big cultural change for me. And I know it sounds kind of silly in the American culture, but in our culture, it's such an important transition of um, and that most people don't make. And I think I was the last one in my generation to really do it. And so it was a really big thing for me and my wife and my kids and, and definitely my parents. And I know you and Kara were along that journey and watched us through that. So that was a, the first big transition. And then the second one, um, from a business perspective, you know, I was really trying to make some big leaps this year. And I looked at COVID as a huge opportunity and was trying to make some really big plays and, and really play on the offense. And, um, with that also comes, you know, obstacles and opportunity and, you know, you can't, you can't succeed at everything. So you have to be prepared for failure. And then how do you deal with the failure when it shows up? And so, you know, when you're taking swings, you're going to, you're going to strike out once in a while. And so I was sort of mentally preparing myself for this season of opportunity and growth. 
And in the meantime, I transitioned a lot of my daily duties as, um, as the operator of my business to someone else. And so there was an entire identity shift for me of like not being involved in every decision and not, you know, controlling the environment all the time and really setting the course of the direction of the business rather than kind of managing the day to day, which was for me personally, a huge, people would think like, oh my God, that sounds so great. But like for us, that's a lot of our identity that we were shifting of, you know, we can't control and we can't own everything. And that's, that was a huge shift for me in my identity. Um, and then, you know, letting somebody else speak for you, make decisions for you and, you know, manage the business for you. It's a huge transition for a founder, um, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. So lots of fun transitions going on. And, and, you know, we're still in the middle of a lot of those transitions and, they are, it's been some of the most painful time of my life. I will say, you know, as you embrace it and you get excited about it, like what's on the other side, it's, uh, it can be really challenging and learning how to embrace the pain and embrace the uncertainty is something that, you know, I've really had to, 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 uh, deal with this year. So it's been awesome. You know, Karen, I, um, it, it's interesting because we were talking off camera about just, you know, some themes that are happening, but Karen and I were talking about this I don't know, it's probably been two months ago now, you know, sometimes from the outside, when we're looking at, you know, someone like you who runs a successful large business and and obviously with that comes its own challenges. And, you know, what we see from the outside, it, it looks like really great. And, you know, Ashish is just, uh. you know, just killing it. And, but Karen and I were talking about this, like, it's interesting because people would say that you're lucky or, you know, maybe you're just an exceptional leader or you got these amazing you know, you were born with this entrepreneurial talents and all this stuff. And you said a couple of things there like, man, it's painful. It's freaking excruciating. And Karen and I were talking about this, like people don't realize this, but it's just like resistance with weight training, just on a small scale. Like in order to build muscle, you have to have resistance and it's painful. You're tearing that muscle. And we don't, it doesn't get easier. We get better. This is what Karen and I have been really talking about lately. And I'm curious to dive into this a little bit because you were talking yeah. about the theme, you know, what's going on out there. And it seems like, it seems like you, you called it transition. And I would agree with that. It seems like a lot of people are in transition, but also I was listening. Um, I was listening to somebody, I'll think of who it was, but they were talking about, oh, it was Rao, Rao Paul. And he was talking about how we live in the exponential age. And I was just having this conversation with my son yesterday, and I'll share this and then, and then we'll, I'll toss it back to you. Cause I think, I think there's a lot happening that happened somewhat slowly, but then has transitioned very quickly. And I think we have to be really, really ready for major, major transition, Mm. not just in this season, but ongoing from here forward. So when we talk about the exponential age, we're living in a period of time where things are, I was talking with my son about this yesterday, Tim, he's uh, 19, he'll be 20 here next month. And I was listening um, to Tony Robbins say recently on, I think it was on Ed Milet's podcast that some study, I think Cambridge did or something that that said that 18, so by 2040, so 18 years from now, 50% of the jobs that currently exist will not exist. Hmm. And so we're in so much change. And I was talking with my son about the fact that when when I graduated from high school, my senior year, we were on MS-DOS. The next year, they put Windows in place. And it, okay, so number one, this makes me feel really old. But then also, when we look at the, the speed at which things are changing, 
And I mean, even, you know, yesterday's technology, the technology from the year before is outdated. Just, you know, when you're looking at the amount of time that, you know, the iPhone 14, they're already talking about the 14 and the 15 and the 16. And so we're in this weird period of transition and COVID has really changed a lot. And I think it actually, I think a lot of us went through this period of time where we were just waiting to see what happened. And then all of a sudden we're making up for some of that, um, you know, period of time where everybody was just kind of waiting, but also I kind of think this is our new world. It's absolutely our new world. Um, you know, one of the things that popped into my head as you were talking, and this is going to be a, a little bit of a weird analogy is that in hockey, when you train for hockey, um, they, they do a drill where the skater skates around the perimeter of the ice. Okay. And this, this, picture has been imprinted in my brain and I think about it a lot. And and basically every one of your teammates lines up around the edge of the rink about two to three feet apart. And you're supposed to skate in between your teammate and the the wall. And every time you pass, your teammate hits you as hard as you can, as hard as they can into the glass. And your responsibility is to go all around and basically get hit by everybody. Okay. And the idea is to build up this resilience of pain. And the more you can, you, you know, you can train yourself to get hit into the boards and keep moving to the next hit and knowing that I'm going to go 10 feet and I'm going to get hit again and then go 10 feet, I'm going to hit again and then just keep moving forward. And so the way I look at this is, you know, in life and I'm, and I'm a decently young guy and like I've experienced this holistically is that we have so much access to information. We have so much knowledge. You have, I, you know, I really surround myself with a lot of mentors and coaches. You have so many books, so much great YouTube in, information nowadays that we could become and we can learn so much about who it is we should be and what, what is possible in this world and what can we create and what can we build, right? All that kind of stuff. But if you don't get hit and then learn how to keep moving forward for the next hit, like you have to work on building resilience. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, and I've seen this in some of the most successful entrepreneurs is that no matter how many times they think they're done getting hit, like there's always more, more coming at you. And so I don't want to sound pessimistic or, or things like that, but it's really like you, you can't keep moving forward if you don't get used to getting hit and moving forward again. And, and part of that for me is like, are we taking risks in our life that allow us space to continue to get hit and then feeling the fulfillment or confidence, like, okay, I just took another hit. I can keep moving. I can take another hit. And then looking backwards, like, dude, I just got hit by 30 guys and I'm still moving forward. And so a lot of that shows up for me in these seasons. And I see that in other entrepreneurs as well about like, man, COVID was a challenge. Well, then you have supply chain, then you have inflation, then you have, you know, stock market stuff and you have blah, 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 blah. It's like, how many hits can I take? and continue to move forward. And I think that we underestimate, I think we underestimate that in ourselves and how much we can take a hit. And one of the things that has really supported me is people. Is like knowing who to call when I feel like I am so bruised that I can't stand up again, to be like, dude, stand the hell up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you'll be fine. It'll all be okay. And, um, you know, I think that's super important in, in in being able to handle this adversity uh, and building this resilience, you know, it, 
and again, it doesn't get easier. We get better. And I, I agree. Yeah. With you. Like, it's not that you said, you know, I, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. There's no pessimism involved. Like, we just have to understand, you know, people that are waiting for the world to go back to normal. And I'm not just talking about COVID. We are seriously forget COVID. We're, we're in, we're in a period of time where things are changing so quickly That's that right. we don't know what normal is. When I was just having this conversation, um, I don't know, like two weeks ago, we used to, like, if somebody had like, you know, eight or 10 jobs on their resume, like we didn't even want to look at those people. Yeah. And this generation that's coming up now, they're not going to stay in one or two or three jobs their entire career. Things are changing so quickly. I was, I was giving advice to my son yesterday. I'm like, you have to, you have to be flexible. Like you have to be flexible in this day and age, because if 50% of the jobs that currently exist are going to be gone in the next 18 years. You can't be all in on, you know, one business, one career, uh, you know, one certain pathway. You've got to be flexible. And when we look at when we look at, you know, people that are waiting for things to go back to normal, it there there is no normal going forward. In fact, I was talking with Seth Madison who came and spoke to this year's uh group at the Couples Mastermind, and he is a um if you don't know him, you should look him up. He's the, just an amazing human. But he speaks on the future of workforce and labor. And, you know, he consults with huge companies. And he came and spoke to the couples mastermind. And he was talking about this concept of languishing. And people are languishing. And, and what that really means is, and we really need to be checking in as entrepreneurs, as investors, as business owners, we need to be checking in with our people. Because we've just gone through this crazy period of time where we don't even know the emotional impacts the the psychological impacts that people have been through when when we're you know we're talking about everything that's going on in the world and the the constant change and you know you're talking about how so many people feel like they're in transition number 1 i think we have to get used to it but number 2 just like you were saying you know reaching out to those other entrepreneurs and having those that community like a lot of our employees and family members and stuff like that are not having these conversations and they need they need to, the support and so we need to be checking in with them but as I was talking with my son, I'm like, you know, man, you got you to gotta be flexible. You, transition is not a bad thing. Like we have got, we have to live in that zone because if you're not flexible and if you're not quick and if you're not fast on your feet as a business owner, entrepreneur, even as an employee, even as an investor, you know, the information and the news that we were dealing with three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago is completely different than what we're dealing with today. And I think things are happening so fast in the world. And it's so volatile. Morgan Housel said, you know, things that have never happened before happen all the time. And I think that's just going to compound and get faster and faster and faster. And so I think this is a great conversation because I think we need to get used to it. And what I told Seth, you know, that we can learn a lot from the military because when, when the military is at war, we're not living in peacetime, man. This isn't, this isn't the eighties and nineties and two thousands of business. This is wartime. This is not peacetime. No. And you know, when, when the military leaders, they're, they're debriefing, if not a few times a day, every day about the situation on the battlefield yesterday and what changed and what, what information has changed and what do we know different today than yesterday where we used to do, you know, quarterly planning, annual planning and checking quarterly and blah, blah. We need to be checking in every single day because that's how fast the the world is transitioning right before our eyes. The other thing that shows up for me as you say that is, you know, if we're not controlling the narrative, then somebody else is, mm-hmm. right? And you said this about 
how entrepreneurs and their teams collaborate and communicate. What I realized, and we've been pretty fortunate to not have any, you know, turnover um, that we didn't, I guess, choose. But you know, the thing is, like, we have to talk to our employees often. How you, how are you? What's going on? What can I do to help you? And also share the narrative about how we're thinking about it. You know, there were seasons where I didn't know what was going to happen, and I had to say that I honestly don't know what's about to happen next. But all I know is we'll figure it out and we'll do it together and we'll work through it and that the people on the ship are the right people on the ship and and kind of give them that encouragement because some people, you know, some people can take high risk and like understand that variability and then some people need stability. Mm-hmm. Some people can't handle that type of variability, right? Which is, I think the responsibility as entrepreneurs to constantly keep communicating to our teams. Another thing that we work on internally is from a leadership team perspective, we call ourselves a SEAL team. And, you know, you talk about the military and the mindset that everyone's got each other's back no matter what, and we all go one direction. And, um, you know, and in warfare, there's not a lot of discussion or decisions being made on the battlefield. It's all beforehand, right? It's all planned beforehand. And so being able to pivot and work as a team and move and, and change direction. And, you know, what I love about the military also is it's it's kind of hardcore. And I think in business, when people come from that place of like live or die and like we're gonna fight and we're gonna do it together and blah, blah, like it actually works. And people, you know, some people I guess may not be able to handle it, but I what I find is actually people rally around it. It's like we're a team on a football field, we're gonna fight, we're gonna win. And it kind of gets this instinctual competitive nature out of people. And it's worked for us and I love it. And it's allowed us to change and pivot and and uh, you know and address our uncertainties as a group. That you know whatever is about to come behind that wall, like we'll find a way to to work through it. And sometimes those changes are painful yeah. and ugly, right? And that's okay. And some of them sometimes they're blessings. And like the furniture gods have you know blessed us again. Here we go. Like let's keep moving forward. So yeah. you know. Being able to prepare yourself for whatever's around the corner, I think, is is what you're talking about. And that's absolutely, this is not a season. That is here to stay. Yeah. Well, and just like you said, you know, sometimes telling your team, hey, I don't have all the answers is the best thing. Because also, sometimes we're going to have to adjust. We're going this direction and we have to adjust. And that's okay, because the information that we thought we had was the wrong information. Whether we were like uh, analyzing it wrong or whether you know, we were projecting it wrong, or we just had pure bad information, or just made a horrible decision. And I'm thinking about two things. I think it was Colin Powell that said, you know, the best leaders need to be able to make decisions with 60% of the information. Yes. And I love that. That's kind of the theme. And I heard Norman Schwarzkopf speak in 2000. I was at a Franklin Covey symposium. I, in 2000, I was, I think I was 20. And this has stuck with me ever since then. He was talking about um, his rule number. I think it was his rule number 13. He had all these rules, but this is one that really stuck with me because he had just been promoted. um, Well, not then, but when this story happened, he had just been promoted to a two-star general at the Pentagon. And his boss was now a four-star general, the top general at the Pentagon under a new administration. And so they come in, they're in this room of, you know, he said like all the big wigs were there and they're having this conversation about some decision that needed to be made. And Norman's boss, whoever it was, I never even paid attention to who it was, but he was like, there, there was some decision that they had through two administrations, they couldn't 
like pinpoint this decision. It was like a 12 year decision or something like that. And his boss goes in there and says, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Okay. See you later. And there, they like left the, the Pentagon and his boss was going to be gone for six weeks. And he looked at Norman and he said, you're, you're the top dog at the Pentagon. Now I'm going to be in the field for six weeks or whatever. Here's what I need you to do. And Norman looked at him and he said, how do you know that was the right decision? Like, you know, people have been paralyzed with fear to make this decision. They don't want to put their necks on the line and all this stuff. And his boss said, listen, you have to have the right team around you. We don't always have all the information, but what we do know, if you've got the right team, you make decisions and you know that that team will take whatever decision it is, whether it was a bad decision, a good decision, and they'll make it right, which is what I heard you saying, you know, with that wartime team. And I remember distinctly thinking about this when COVID hit. And by the way, this is a great conversation for you and I, because we're visionaries. We need to know when we're in peacetime and we need to know when we're in wartime and in the business environment. What I'm not saying is that we'll never be in peacetime again, but the way that the world is changing, I, I don't know when we're going to have a period of, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 years of sustained, you know, growth and, and things like what we've had where, I mean, there's been more hours and money and time invested in, you know, kumbaya leadership sessions and businesses over the last 20 years than probably ever. And, and when COVID hit, I just remember stepping into the business and we're making those decisions that are tough because we don't have information. We didn't know what was going on. You're laying people off. You're, you're pulling construction people from all over the country. We're shutting down orders. We're, it, was, it was brutal. But what I realized through that whole process is I'm a wartime leader. Here's, here's the other side of that problem. If we're in peacetime, I come in and try to create problems. Yes. So, but I don't think we're in a period of time right now where we got peace anytime in the near future. And so I think it's important for like you and me and anybody else that's out there that's feeling this, whether you call it transition or languishing, or I don't, I don't think the world's going to slow down anytime soon. And the world needs wartime leaders in their business, making fast, painful, challenging decisions. And again, I don't want to be pessimistic either, but we don't know what's coming. And you know, making sure that you have the right people and you make those decisions is super important. What's interesting that I've been experiencing is that there is definitely a school of thought in business and strategy about like setting a vision, five, 10 year visions, creating a course map of how do we get there? What are the initiatives we need to invest in over a five year period of time to get there? And what's really fascinating as a visionary and a operating leader, probably like you, Mike, is that I can't see past two years, maybe three years. And so to be able to communicate a long-term vision to a company or people within your business about where we're going, it's just not the same as it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. And so what used to happen is we liked very clear direction and clear path and people didn't like change. Well, now you better embrace change. If you change your business strategy like every week, okay, maybe that's not the smartest thing to do, but it's not changing every year or two years. It may change every quarter, every month and small little changes. And one of the things that I think a lot of leaders get judged for is how often they make changes to their decisions. That is gonna change in this next era is that the best leaders are gonna be able to take whatever information they can get, make a decision, get a little bit more information, change the decision again, and and have that sort of resilience of the ability to flex and change and adapt because the world is doing that. 
And in the GEs of the world, that didn't exist. You know, you could chart your course and map out a 20-year industrial course where, you know, in the next 20 years, every major industry is going to be disrupted in a way that we cannot fathom. And so you can't not make changes on a frequency that allows you to move. Otherwise, you're going to die. Yeah. And I think, you know, even I, I know I get judged about this and we talk about it very openly within our company and, uh, you know, even on the podcast or, or with other leaders about like, how do we communicate these decisions of change to other people so they don't feel like, oh my God, you know, our leader has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Our leader has changes his mind every month or he he has no idea where, where our business is coming from, like, or whatever, but that's not the case. It's just that as information comes in, we're trying to do the best we can to keep, you know, a forward direction. So it's it's going to definitely change paradigms. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, as you're saying that, like I, I put a podcast up a while back about, and this wasn't about leadership or business, but a lot of times it, you know, I think it kind of coincides. I was talking about the macro perspective versus the micro perspective. And I think most people, when it comes to finances, investing, everything else, we're thinking about this from a micro view. Um, how does it affect me financially? How does it affect you know my business? That's still micro. But from a macro perspective, how does policy and governmental policy and world policy, how does that affect us? And what I'm hearing you say, there was two things that I was thinking about that I think these conversations are so valuable because um, I, I'm, number one, I'm thinking of my podcast with Darius Marchesade. And you know he he was a and still is a successful entrepreneur in himself, um, exited a huge business, but he wrote a book on values, the core value equation. Mm. And I love this book because, you know, a lot of times we've thought of values in the past as like just, you know, the signboards on the wall. And the way that Darius approaches it is super interesting. And we were having a conversation about the future of work. And I asked him this, um, I don't know, probably two months ago. I'm like, so what do you think is the power of values at this point in time? And he's like, it's, it's going to be the only thing that matters because in, it's funny because I it wasn't even anchored till we're having this conversation. But in the future, he said the only thing that's going to matter is people are going to work at places that they feel aligned with the vision and the values. And that when you were saying what you were saying about, you know, almost that the way I heard it was like the schizophrenic leader. Where so a couple of things to tie together. I think number one, we've got to get better at, at having debriefs on the macro perspective with our people, because if we're just giving them the information when it's time to change. Hey, we're changing direction. We're changing direction. We're changing direction. They don't know why. They don't understand why. But if we're, if we're doing, I mean, even, I'm even just thinking like, you know, we have podcasts. I'm even thinking of an intracast. Like, you know, if you did a check-in, we do check-ins with our, our people, like, you know, like the couples mastermind or our communities that we're leading. But if we do macro check-ins with our employees, that might help them to adjust and understand why we're adjusting. But the thing that Darius said is the future of work is completely different and, and values are going to be more important than ever because it isn't. And, and I think this is kind of applied for a while, but I think it's going to be more important when people. So Ashish, you and I have a mutual friend, and, you know, I've, I've been coaching him. And one of the things that, you know, he was talking about, he runs a team of overarching team of about, you know, 200, not directly, but people. And one of the challenges that they're having, they just got acquired for like the third time. They just keep getting gobbled up. And one of the challenges that this guy's experiencing is as they're going out and they're scaling in the tech space, which is part of where this exponential growth is coming from, they are having a hard time getting talent, which I think is something we all got to keep our finger on. But one of the things that he was saying is they're advertising as this new company has come in, 
and they're consolidating, they're advertising new positions at like a 25, 35, 45% pay increase mm-hmm. to compete. And all these existing employees that have been there, they've been faithful. They're like the, they're like the core people. They're like, um, they're getting like, you know, five or 8% raises. No, not even, I think four is what he was actually saying, but then they're hiring people that are new with the same skill set and talent at like 40% more than what these people are making. And so he said that all of his employees are coming in. They're basically like, do I just need to quit and reapply? And these are the kind of things that we're just not even thinking about, yeah. you know, as, as things are scaling and just this exponential growth curve that we need to stay in front of. But I love Darius's perspective on, you know, keeping the values and the connection with the people, that's the most important part. But when we, when a company does something like that, that's just an outright slap in the face. So we got to watch some of that too. As the external forces are changing so quickly, we're not meaning to do this. But you know, if we have to hire three or four new people and the going rate is X, and yet we're not staying in touch or communicating, even back to languishing and 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 just checking in with them and how are you feeling and having these conversations, this is wartime, man. Yeah, it's that's a really complicated problem. Um, because the environment from a labor perspective, it's changing so dramatically. And a lot of people are jumping and you're right, you can make a lot more money if you jump really, really quickly. Um, I think that, I think values and culture and all this kumbaya stuff you were talking about that everyone has been investing in, um, it's super important now more than ever because you, you know, right now we sell furniture. Next week we could sell art. Who knows, right? But the people are what's important. And the type of people you surround yourself and the type of people you spend your time with at work is, I think, more important than what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think in times like this, we learn that, that it's not about the product. It's not about the, sometimes it's not even about the customer. It's about what's happening inside at the heart of the business. And however challenging it is, it is our responsibility as leaders to figure out what that heartbeat feels like and continuously keep that heartbeat going, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we, we've we put a lot of attention to that, but like we slip too, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's more and more important now than ever. One of the things I felt during COVID, and I, I expressed this to, to people, is that like people were unnerved, people were stressed, people were tired, they were fatigued from working from home or being alone or whatever. And there were points where like, I was fatigued. I was like, I'm tired of picking everyone else up. I'm tired of being the rally monkey, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter. Like, it didn't matter if I was tired. Like, Mm -hmm. I still had to do what I needed to do because everyone needed us, right? And um, that really hits home for me in wartime is that even if the leader is tired, I mean, you know, they're human too, Yeah. right? But it doesn't matter that's the time we train to stand and lead. Right. And that's, that's what it's all about. So it's easy. It's let me just, sorry to interrupt you, Mike. It's very easy to lead a company when you have tailwind. Yeah. Right. Like people get a lot of credit for running into industry that, you know, has an amazing, like has wind in their sails. But the most challenging thing you can do is run a business when everything is falling apart. Yeah. And I think that's what we train for. Yeah. It's interesting what you were talking about just a little bit ago about, you know, you having community and people you can rely on. 
I just kind of want to anchor that too, because as leaders, Seth Madison was actually saying this again at the Couples Mastermind. He was talking about how the trend that they're actually seeing right now is the executive leadership has been dealing with, and this is exactly what you just said, they've been dealing with all the hard stuff and you were starting to see the we're starting to see the executive teams and and the entrepreneurs and the leaders like burning out and hitting walls because of what you just said too like we don't get we don't get to stop we're just you know i it's like the we finally feel like we get to come up for air and now we're just seeing what actually happened we've been we've been taking care of the business and everything else for everybody for you know a couple of years and now we're coming up for air and just realizing that our tanks are empty. And I think what you said earlier about, you know, community and making sure that we're connected. And that's why it's so important, you know, whether it's uh, your Vistage groups or EO or, you know, masterminds or whatever it is where you're surrounded um, by the right people. That's why it's so important because um, we don't, we don't get, we don't get to sleep. We don't get time. You know, when I'm during Christmas this year, I got COVID and it was a really weird Christmas because not only are you, um, you know, you're isolated, you're sick. I got hit pretty hard where I had like chronic fatigue for like two or three weeks, which is not like me. And we were going through some really big business changes where I had to make some tough decisions. And I think I expressed to somebody like maybe a couple days after the worst of the symptoms, I expressed to somebody on my leadership team, like, dude, man, this sucks and I'm tired. And his response was, well, I don't really care because you're the CEO. <laughs> and and he was right. Right? And he was right. Because it was my responsibility. It's it's our role in the organization. And so one of the things that I like talking about with entrepreneurs is what is their routine? What is their daily routine? And I've put a lot of sacred time and space into my life, into my routine, because from whatever times we're working, if we're not mentally prepared for whatever comes every single day, there's just no chance. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the workforce wakes up, goes to the bathroom, gets in their car and goes to work, grabs a coffee, maybe in between and goes to work. Zero preparation for how their day is about to unfold. They let their day manage them, correct? And I think when you study all the best successful business people or entrepreneurs or, um, you know, successful managers in the world, they all read in the morning. They meditate in the morning. They, they move in the morning. They have a quiet cup of coffee with their family. They fill their cup before they're prepared to go to battle because otherwise you just have no chance. And I think that as my advice to entrepreneurs and my advice to leaders is like, if you're not filling your cup, no one cares. It's empty. Mm-hmm. no one cares. It's not, you, you know, no one is going to say, Oh, well, I'm so sorry, Mike, you make half a million dollars a year. Like, can I give you a hug boss? Like no one cares. Yeah, it's no. your responsibility to do it and show up. And, um, you know, it, and again, in times of pain and suffering, that's when we need it the most. And yet our organization is not going to give it to us. So creating like accountability groups or, or support groups that can remind us and kick us in the butt and say, Hey dude, come on. Like, this is the this is what you've been training for, but also creating a space for you in your life to fill that cup and give you that juice, right? And be really intentional and, you know, take inventory of that. Super, super important. Yeah. And 
I I want to I want to circle back because you know you were talking about like not trying I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic and yeah I just think that people need to be real. Karen and I were just talking about this a couple of days ago. You know I I think there's this movement where you know being an entrepreneur is sexy, right? It's like it's the thing to do. Like you're gonna when does the sexy part show up, Mike? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and it is like I'm I, that that's the part that like I I don't want to I, I love. I love running businesses. I love entrepreneurship. I love, I mean, investing for freedom. Love your podcast, The Rich Equation. Like, I, but I think people need to understand that it, it's, not, it's not easier. It isn't easier. In, in fact, it's painful. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just anchoring it back, like life doesn't, you choose your hell. I mean, you that's can, right. You know, you that's can, right. you can go, you can go to work for somebody else. You can let somebody else design your life. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. Um, I've had this conversation so many times lately. It, it, you know, as long as you're achieving, it doesn't matter what you're doing. What are your goals in life? And as long as that job can help you accomplish your goals, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. I've said this forever. Like making income is the most important part. And then putting that income into assets is the second. And then rolling those assets will create wealth. I don't care if it's a W2 job. I don't care if it's entrepreneurship. I don't care what it is. It's not, it's, it's not necessary. I just think so many people think that it's easy and it's sexy and it's the thing to do. And as you really scale a business, it gets more and more painful and you have to become better and better and better. Yeah, that's it. End of show. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, one of the things, one of the things that shows up for me is like, I think you know, there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that that something can change too. So I see a lot of people who are in jobs and they're like, I want to start my own business. And this time during COVID, people had a lot of free time. They had a lot of ideas and they got laid off. And it was a great time for people to start their little businesses. And in my industry, I mean, tons of little craftsmen and little industry you know, producers uh, came out of the woodworks because you went from being fired from a design firm and having inspiration of a product line and all of a sudden you were in a business now. Now you're an entrepreneur. Um, and then vice versa. A lot of guys were like, man, this entrepreneur thing sucks. I want to just go work for somebody else and make a nice salary and get a bonus and call it a day. I want to be able to, you know, work nine to five or whatever and like not walk, a, walk home with the responsibilities every single day. And I think that's okay. I think like being able to go back and forth is actually a luxury in life to be able to play with those balances, right? Like I know for myself, I've thought about that. Like, is this really worth it? Like, can I just go work for somebody for a couple of years? My kids are young. You know, I want to play for a couple of years, but then I get the itch. I get the entrepreneurial itch. It's like, oh, but I love taking it. You know, my sister just um, started uh, an optometry office and it's her first entrepreneurial adventure. And she did it. And she like built a little office. She started a company. She has a, a full schedule of patients and like she actually did it. So she calls me yesterday and like shares all her, you know, anxiety and her stress and her pressure and her like all this stuff. And I'm like, welcome to the party. And if you're not feeling those anxi- that anxiety or that fear or that uncertainty, then, you know, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. But going in and working, you know, she has a part-time job too in her transition. And that's easy, right? You just show up, you punch the clock, you do your patient stuff and you go home and 
I'm oversimplifying. She's probably going to kill me for that. But, you know, it's a very different contrast. And I think that's okay for people to identify and take inventory of what do I want in my life and what risk am I willing to take? And, and you know, how do I want to play? But yeah, you're right. It is not easy and is not for the faint of heart. But I also want to share like on the entrepreneurial journey, like, you know, that pain, that suffering, that anxiety, like that's healthy. That, that level of, uh, let's call it feedback. That's feedback of, you know, what's going on in me? Like, why am I having a trouble with this, you know, risk tolerance or, or dealing with this employee or feeling like I can control everything? Those are, those are feedback signals from the universe to make us better, right? Yeah. And I think that that's what this entrepreneurial journey for me is like. It's such a great spiritual journey to improve and expand. You know, I remember um, this wasn't that long ago, probably six months ago. I was doing, uh, I was doing an evening uh, thing with Ascend or Emerge, one of the groups from GoBundance, and you know, the 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 people in the group were asking me afterwards in the Q and A time, like, you know, how how did you know when it was the right time to quit your job, and you know, how do you know when you're, you know, it's like the right time to buy a deal, and I'm like, and I find myself saying this a lot, like I'm a horrible person to ask those kind of questions to, because I, I could not do it. If you're asking yourself the question, like if you're fighting that much with, you know, launching, quitting your job, becoming an entrepreneur, you know, buying a deal. Timing has nothing to do with it. You're probably not ready yet. Yeah. You probably, the call, you know, and I've said this so many times until the pain of staying where you're at becomes worse than the pain of getting to where you think you want to go. You're not going to do anything about it. So I'm kind of a horrible person because at the age of 24, I left because I had so much pain that I was experiencing working in my current job. That job was basically dictating what my life was going to look like. And I didn't own my time. And I I remember literally saying, you know what, if I'm going to miss out on, you know, my kid's pregnancy with my wife's pregnancy with a kid and miss out on the boys growing up and work 90 or hundred or 110 hours a week, I might as well do it for myself. And so the pain of staying where I was, was greater than what, so I kind of have like, I don't want to sound insensitive, but you know, if you're, if, if you're asking yourself the question, like, you know, when, when am I going to be brave enough to quit? You're not. Yeah. You're right. It's scary. It's hard. It's really hard. And I think most entrepreneurs would say that they probably didn't think too much before they jumped. (laughs) So if you're overanalyzing already, you're probably uh, overthinking it and probably, you know, already doomed to have failure. Yeah. We should probably do a little disclaimer. You shouldn't quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're yeah, like exactly. people over the cliff, then they're going to be like, hey, you push me over the cliff. I'm just kidding. Because yeah. the mindset is really, it's not about knowing what all the problems are and being prepared to solve them. You're not, you don't know all the problems. Mm-hmm. So you just have to have the mindset that says, whatever problem comes, I'll solve. Yeah. Right? It doesn't get so easy. It's a really, uh, it's a really, and I think that's going to change too within organizations. We talked about people is I think the corporate nature of culture will have to change because otherwise everyone want to be entrepreneurs and we can't all be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So you have to create an entrepreneurial energy within your business where people have the space to be creative and make their own decisions and take risk and not get blasted for it every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard as an entrepreneur too, to not make every single decision and to create lanes for people. Like, And I think that the businesses that will thrive will be the ones who allow the culture to be entrepreneurial, not just have one entrepreneur. Yeah. I love that right there. It's probably a good way to 
just kind of put a bow on this thing. You know, just even thinking back to the military, you were talking about values and decision-making and in the military, you know, they've mapped out what they're going to be doing the next day, but also there's different ranks and different areas of leadership. And, you know, when, when your SEALs or your employees or whatever, things are changing so quickly. I think to your point now more than ever, like our people need to understand, you know, the values and the vision and where we're headed because they need to be able to make decisions on the fly too. You can't make all the decisions. Can't make all the decisions. One of the things that I, I will give a lot of credit to my number two is we put a lot of emphasis on values this year. And we communicate that, look, if any decision needs to be made by somebody else, look at the values, make sure they're aligned with the values, and you have the freedom to make the decision. And we did a couple of them, and and it works every single time. And it creates space for people to learn how to make their own decisions. And all they have to do is point to a wall with the values on them rather than an income statement or a balance sheet or a margin spreadsheet or price list or blah, blah, blah which is, you know, how most businesses operate. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, are we doing the right thing? Are we practicing gratitude? Are we building trust? And if we're doing those things, then I can I have the latitude to make this decision and I won't get penalized for it. Like it's a really great way to operate the business and it creates, you know, almost this internal confidence of people building and all that. So, just really really fun stuff as we're all trying to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Like just it's changing faster than ever. So we just got to right. keep going. So thank you for coming back on. Yeah, brother. Happy anniversary again. Yeah. Where, where do, uh, let's talk about your podcast. Where do people find you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, we launched a, a podcast last year called The Rich Equation. It's how we redefine what it means to be rich. And uh, it's a great place to listen to me. And uh, I'm also active on social media at Ashish Neethu on Instagram. And, um, you know, Love being here, Mike, and learn so much from you and happy to share. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. See ya. See ya. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.